Welcome to the In The Scope podcast, new perspectives in the scope of different lenses. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks. Make sure to subscribe to War on Anchor, the home of the In The Scope podcast, on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the TuneIn app. And also, make sure to check out the War Media site at weareregalradio.com to get all the hottest and latest content on all things sports. Again, this is Joshua M. Hicks, and welcome to the In The Scope Podcast. Hope you enjoy it. We'll bring you down. We've got to stop and look around. Look around. Look around. Y'all know what time it is. It is the In The Scope Podcast with your boy, Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer for War Media. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, at Josh M. Hicks Media. And follow War, War Media, We Are Regal Radio, all over YouTube, War Media, all podcast platforms, War on Anchor, WeAreRegalRadio.com, War Media on Instagram and Twitter as well, you name it. We got all, this, we got all the good takes and the good hot takes for your Chicago and culture news. And um, obviously this is Chicago, so we gotta talk about the Chicago Bulls as well as the, a little bit of the NBA stuff that's going on, taking place right now. And I got one of the, honestly, one of the best guys to talk about all those things, especially the insights for the Chicago Bulls. He is a he is a writer for NBC Sports Chicago. I gotta get everybody give it up for my guy, Rob Schaefer. Rob, how you doing, man? I'm good, Josh. No complaints. It's a beautiful day in Chicago. Um, the Bulls season wrapped up a couple days ago. Unfortunately, they're not where they want to be, but the job keeps going. It's going to be a busy offseason. Uh, so, you know, blessed to uh, blessed to be here, blessed to still be watching good basketball. You know, the Bulls might not be playing anymore, but, uh, you know, the play-in games have lived up to the hype so far, at least in my opinion, and it should be a good uh, postseason ahead. So, um, yeah. Not, 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 not much in particular to, uh, to, uh, to object to right now for me. I hear you, man. I hear you. And I'm glad to have you back on my show to talk about all of those things. And we're going to just jump right into the actual play-in tournament. Um, the NBA, I, gotta, I, I have to admit, I got to give them their props for this one. I got to I gotta clap my hands for this one because they had some pretty interesting play-in games that, you know, worked out in their favor, especially the most recent one with LeBron James and the Lakers versus Steph Curry and the Warriors. Um, they said that was probably the highest rated uh, TV television rated game since the 2019 Western Conference Finals, which is pretty, pretty serious comparing that, you know, from that point leading up to now, you had the pandemic, you had team rates going down all over the place with all the other sports being played. And, that, and you know, sports world in general trying to get back to the swing of things. So for that to work out for the NBA in, uh, in the league's favor, man, that's that's big time. And and I enjoyed it. What is what has been your thoughts as far as watching all those playing games within this playing playing tournament so far? Yeah, I never understood the criticism of it. To be honest, I mean, I, I get it if you're a player or an owner or a coach on a team that maybe didn't envision themselves being in the playing tournament. Like if you're a LeBron James on the Lakers or. Uh, you know, the Mavericks didn't end up in it, but Mark Cuban came out and was critical of it when it looked like they might fall to the seventh seed. So I get that. But from the fan consumer 
media member perspective, like, I don't know, it, it, I think it achieved its goal of keeping teams more engaged down the stretch of the season. Like you just saw at the end of the regular season. Sure. There was some tanking and there were some resting guys. Like that last pulse game, for example, was, um, you know, a lot, a lot of guys that were at the end of the rotation for the whole season, getting their getting their first opportunity. So there was a little bit of that, but for the most part, I thought it, they did a good job of keeping games high stakes for as long as they possibly could, uh, which I'm sure drives interest. They did a good job of, um, you know, enough teams thought that they were in the race enough so that you saw teams like making aggressive moves. Um, I think the bulls fall in that category. Like do the bulls swing the, the Nikola Vucevic trade? If the play-in doesn't kind of expand their window for contention, I don't know, but um, they certainly did. And obviously they fall short, but it's still, you know, that's, I, I think the NBA likes it when teams, especially big market teams are making, you know, pushing the chips win now moves. And then the, the product itself. I mean, yeah, you mentioned the ratings on that uh, Lakers Warriors game, which I think lived up to every ounce of the hype. I think, I read somewhere that the, uh, uh, the the Celtics Wizards game from the night before was one of the higher rated games of the season too. Um, so, you know, obviously they're getting the results they want in that department. It's uh, other than that Pacers Hornets game, which was the first one to this point, it's been pretty high level basketball so far. Um, so there's just nothing for, for me to really quibble with. I don't see why it can't be something that the league adopts uh, moving forward, just from an interest standpoint. Um, and to me, like, I don't know. People, people bring up the, the quality of, or the competitive balance issue to me, if you're a seven or eight seed in your conference, like I don't really have a problem with you needing to, you know, pass one more level to get into the postseason. Historically that those seeds just are not, you know, uh, factors in the, in the ultimate title race this year is a little bit different. And that's why I think some criticism maybe this year is a little justified because um, you know, you know, I, I don't know. The Lakers are favored against the Suns. I, I might pick them to win that series. So this, this year is a little bit different, but moving forward, I could absolutely see it being something sustainable and something entertaining and something that I'd want to see continue. Cause it's just, you know, it's been nothing but fun for me so far, but I guess I'm just someone who would, you know, enjoys watching more basketball games. Like, I don't, you know, I'm just never going to have a problem with that. Um, so it, it's been fun so far. I'm going to see how the rest of it uh, shakes out. Cause as we're recording, I think there's, there's another one tonight uh, the Eastern conference last playing game is tonight and then the Western conference the next night. So I'm looking forward to see how those shake out. Yeah, same here, man. I've actually been one of the one of those people that critiqued it. Was like, okay, I don't think we need to have this, um, especially just because I'm thinking from like a future perspective, right? Especially when you talk about the Bulls. Let's just say the Bulls made it to the play-in tournament. Mm-hmm. Like that's a justification for them to say, "Oh, we made the playoffs." And it's like, did you really though? You know what I mean? Like, it, I, I I viewed it as in it's just another. It could be another escape though, per se, to say that oh, we were in the playoff hunt. Or we could have, or we pretty much made the playoffs, or because of the fact that we played into it instead of actually winning it outright, like in the old days. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, it's so, an interesting point. What's what's so funny is that the Bulls can't even say that, and they're still, <laughs> you know, kind of trying to spin it as if the franchise is moving in a positive direction. Which, you know, I think it's moving in a more positive direction than this time last year. But there's no sugarcoating. Let's give away two first round picks and not even make the top ten is a massive disappointment, a failure, all, all of the above. So. Um, it even highlights more how much work they have to do that they couldn't even get to the top 10. But I, I, I totally see your point on an individual team basis. Like you don't want, if you're a fan of a team, you don't want your team like uh, pushing all the chips in just to get to the middle, just to get to mediocrity. That's, that's a problem um, for, you know, for fans and, and individual teams. But um, yeah, I, I totally see your point there just on the, on the league wide uh, basis. I, I'm sure they, they see it as a, as an excess, just a success just because of the ratings and everything like that. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. I mean, like I said, you got to give your props to the league, and especially how this year played out. I think having the Lakers play the Warriors, especially in that, in, with the current situation that the teams are in for that play-in, 
that kind of really boosted what this thing can look like moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hey, it benefits the league. And, and, and for us, basketball watchers, it benefits us. It's more basketball to watch. So, you know, I mean, it is what it is. I'm cool with it, I guess. You know, I just hope teams just actually live, don't use their lives that in recruiting, trying to recruit top players to their franchises and say, you know, we're trying to get here. You know, we always play, you know, we're kind of close. Um, but, yeah, that's either here or there because some four, now we got to talk about the team that, like you mentioned, does not make the playoffs, right? They had every chance to make the like playoffs. So, yeah, it sounds like you're subtweeting the Bulls a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> one of the many, one of the few teams. It's one of the yeah. few teams that didn't make it. But, hey, I mean, this is Chicago, right? This is what we've been accustomed to for years. Oh, we're almost going to make the playoffs so we're right there. And then mm-hmm. next thing you know, yeah, we're not there. It's clearly that we're not there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this year, I mean, to me, it feels like one of the more significant missed opportunities in recent memory, certainly since the start of the rebuild, because you make the move to, to acquire a second all-star and um, you, you give up two first round picks in the process that like, they might retain that pick this year, but even if they, even if they do um, there's just so many uh, holes to plug on this team at the point guard position on the wing. Um, you know, it, it, there's, there's just a lot of questions to me for, for them to have made that move and not even make uh, the top 10. So yeah, it, it puts, it puts them in a really, uh, a really tough spot. I mean, if you're looking for bright sides to it, I would say that the new front office seems to at least have, um, I think it's safe to say that the culture of the organization is in a better place than it was a year ago. Like people seem to be uh, buying into the winning, the win first, win now mentality. Now the, the problem with that for me, at least, is if that's going to be the undercurrent, everything you do, the results have to follow or else, you know, you don't get that long of a leash in this league um, for, you know, talking about, you know, we're all about winning. And if the results don't follow, you know, you get a season and a season that showed signs of growth early. And, you know, after the trade deadline, there were extenuating circumstances um, with, you know, the condensed calendar and everything like that. So, you know, they'll get a little leeway, um, but, you know, they really have to nail this offseason and they really have to nail the start and the duration of next season and really show that this move is something that's going to vault them into the, you know, top half of the Eastern Conference or else, it's not even just that they're right back where they started. They're even set back further because you gave up the, the draft capital. So it's, it's high, it's high stakes. It's high stakes right now. And the bulls understand that, but uh, you know, it's the bet that they've made for themselves. Yeah, that, that is true. I mean, our tours currently is even in the beginning of when he first got here, they made it known they were going to be aggressive. They're going to be the ones that's going to change what this previous regime is known for, which is to be reactive instead of proactive. And yeah. they made, and like you mentioned this uh, past trade deadline, they made that proactive approach and went big to go after Nikola Vucevic to bring that second all-star to play with Zach Levine. And from a statistical perspective, especially when they both later on have finally got the group to play together, it seems like the pair works. Um, Mm -hmm. It seems like it it thrives at least, but those, what are the other components that's going to be put with that team to make it be successful? That's going to be the key. We just mentioned point guard position, right? Kobe White is not the, doesn't obviously appear to be the full point guard of the future for this franchise, nor is it the skill set, nor does it provide the actual skill set for Billy Donovan's offensive system. There's many rumors that have been sparked regarding Lonzo Ball, and it seems like Lonzo Ball's been on the Bulls' radar for the past two years, um, mm-hmm. considering, you know, the previous regime, regime thought about trading for him uh, before even drafting Kobe White. Um, is that an ideal situation for the Bulls really considering, especially from a cap space perspective, Vucevic ate up so much more of that salary cap than what, you know, we originally thought we would have come into this offseason if we didn't make that type of trade. 
Yeah, it, well, it's tough. And they're going to have a decision to make, not just on, you know, what positions they try to address, but also what they operate from with a cap space, from a cap space perspective, because you could, you know, there is a route for them to clear out, you know, the 20, mid $20 million, like 24, $25 million in, in room that they would need to, to chase a guy like Lonzo Ball. But it's, it's tough because they're a little bit restricted. Once you get there, you're going to have, um, you know, I did the math. I, and this is something that people can read in more detail at NBCSportsChicago.com if they're interested because it's, it's very complicated to, to explain all the machinations um, off the top of my head. But they would have about six players on the roster if they did everything that they needed to do to get to that $24, $25 million a year number. And you'd have to renounce your match rights on Larry Markin, which is letting, you know, as much as he disappointed this season, it's letting a 23-year-old um, asset, for lack of a better word, walk for nothing. Um, whereas they could, you know, if they keep his uh, keep his rights and don't renounce them, it's going to cost them a, a ch- large chunk of their cap space or potential cap space. But you open up sign and trade possibilities. You open up the possibility of of matching and maybe trading him later. You know, so so it's very complicated. Um, the point I'm trying to make though is if even if you do get to that twenty four twenty five million dollar a year number you're a little bit limited there and you're not going to be able to necessarily get it in a bidding war with a team like say the Knicks who are rumored to be interested in Lonzo ball too. And, you know, we know that the Knicks have deep pockets. Like if they want somebody, they're going to, they're going to be aggressive too and in, in going to get them. Um, I, I think Lonzo on the court would be a pretty good fit alongside Zach Levine. Cause he's, you know, he's long, he's a reputation as a, as a positive team defender, um, defensive playmaker, you know, get, get steals, rebounds well for his position, obviously a, a terrific player in transition, um, and pass the ball. I mean, I don't know that he's like your, your traditional slow it down in the half court, kind of like pick and roll aficionado point guard. Um, but he would do a lot in terms of connecting and playmaking on the break for this team, his three point shot and free throw percentage have both improved so markedly over the last two seasons that I actually kind of believe that he, he is, a, a, um, a much better shooter than he was earlier in his career, which this new regime values and you should value, you know, next to Zach Levine. Um, so I get where the Lonzo interest is coming from. I think, actually working around to get the cap space to um, uh, to chase him is a little bit more complicated than it seems on the surface. So I'll be interested to see if they go through the process of doing that and potentially, you know, sacrifice a lot of their depth and cap space for next off season. That'd be another factor. Um, so, so it, it's complicated. I, I do like the Lonzo fit though. Um, the ideal scenario would have been what they reportedly discussed at the deadline, which was, you know, a trade of Lowry marketing for Lonzo ball, or maybe even a sign and trade. Now, obviously at this point, I would think the bulls would have to, you know, chip in a fair amount in terms of extra assets on top of that, just because of how much marketing's value has diminished over the second half of the season. But, you know, that to me would be the ideal scenario because you wouldn't have to work as hard from a cap space perspective. And you swap a guy in marketing who is talented, but just doesn't fit the roster right now for a guy that does a little bit better. Um, it's been reported that those talks could be revisited in the summer, but, you know, again, at this point, I just don't know what Lowry's value is. There'll be other teams in the market for Lonzo. So It'll be, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, there are also other names on, on the on the free agent market in terms of point guards. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie has a player option that he could decline. People have forgotten about him a little bit because he's been out most of the season with, with that torn ACL. Um, you know, you got a, a guy like Devontae Graham who's restricted, but maybe with Charlotte bringing in LaMelo Ball, you know, maybe they're, maybe he's not as much a part of their long-term plans. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is a name that's been floating out there. Um, you know, he's interesting, I suppose. There are a lot of ways that they can go here. Um, but again, it's going to be dependent on them actually choosing to clear out the cap space necessary, which will be complicated. Um, so we'll see if they do that. I mean, it, it really would be a lot of work to make maybe one move when, in my opinion, it's just, it's just tough to pick one area of this roster where you think, okay, if we put one person in this position, everything's fixed because 
to me, there are, you know, three or four problem areas that, that really need addressing um, from last season. So we'll just have to see how they, how they approach that. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely, man. And part, I mean, in a recent article that you published, you mentioned the salary guaranteed salaries um, for the Bulls roster for this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they, they eating up a lot of cap space. <laughs> you talk about Nikola Vucevic having $24 million, Zach Levine, 19 and a half mil. Alfarik Aminu, he signed his play, yeah. you know, did his player option. He got 10 mil. Yeah. Um, and you got obviously the real, the, you know, the rookies with Kobe White, young, well, Patrick Williams at seven mil. You got Kobe White at five mil. And then Troy Brown Jr., who I really do like and think will be a good fit for this Bulls roster mm-hmm. um, at five mil. So, and from, but you also have Thaddeus Young, who's partially guaranteed. Yeah. Um, you have Tom Senaresti, who is partially guaranteed. And yeah. those players from other reports have been reported that it, it seems like they want them, that, you know, the Bulls want them back, and especially Thad Young. Mm-hmm. However, to fulfill what they want to fulfill, that may not be a valuable option. Do you really, do, in your opinion, do you think? Dad Young, especially the way that he played this season under Billy Donovan's staff, is such an ideal or such a big piece for this Bulls roster moving forward that you can't necessarily just let him go. You got to find a way to make it work. Yeah, I mean, I think Thad would be so difficult to replace if they did let him go. I mean, that's why they didn't trade him at the deadline, right? And they could have, um, they could have netted a really, really handsome return at the deadline for Thad. I um, so. You know they, they kept him around for a reason. They kept him out because they kept him around because he was impacting winning. I think before Vooch got here, uh, you know, second only to Zach Levine on the roster. Obviously, he has a long-standing relationship with Zach. He's really integral to the locker room, especially to Patrick Williams, um, mentoring him. So, and there's just a lot of things tangible and intangible that Thad provides that I think would be really difficult to replace. And that that's the opportunity cost that you're looking at to generate this type of cap space, like that that number that I mentioned earlier, around 24 million dollars, like that they could get to not only are you renouncing your match rights on Larry Markin, and so you lose a little leverage there, you'd also have to waive, um, you know, Thad Young and Tomas Sadoransky. Again, you know, anybody could have varying opinions on those players, but they were guys that played big minutes and were big contributors to this team last year and weren't negative contributors. I mean, Thad was overwhelmingly positive. Um, Sato, to me, is a really solid uh, backup lead guard. Um, I got no qualms with, uh, with Sadoransky's game at all. Um, not only those, you're going to have to renounce your ability to go over the cap to re-sign a guy like Garrett Temple, another dude who, you know, a little bit more limited in terms of his on-court impact than Thad, but, um, uh, you know, by all accounts, just an absolutely essential veteran presence in that locker room. Like it's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, maybe these are sacrifices that they're willing to make because they are going to need to be aggressive to add, you know, more top tier talent to the roster. And maybe that's worth sacrificing a little bit of depth and, you know, maybe they can even work the margins with exceptions or with, you know, the veteran minimum and try to fill out the bench that way. Um, so again, I, I, I truthfully can sit here and say that I don't know which direction they're going to go. Cause I think chasing the cap space option and trying to get, uh, you know, a really uh, reputable um, or viable third banana alongside Zach and Vooch. I think that, you know, would be a reasonable way to attack the off season because you know that you need immediate results next season. I also think it would be um, a viable option to operate over the cap, potentially see what you can find for Lowry on the sign and trade market, potentially, um, and use your mid-level exception, which you can only use if you're over the cap for nine or $10 million starting salary and try to find like a really, really quality rotation player that way and see if you can hodgepodge it together. 
um, and then bank on significant development for Patrick Williams over the offseason and hope that he grows into something, you know, he showed promise this year, but hope that he really grows into something next year that you can bank on on a night to night basis um, and kind of internally improve that way. So I, I you know, th- their history says that we won't know what they're going to do until they do it. Uh, Cause this front office has played everything uh, very close to the vest and there are so many options on the table, but I, I, I see the argument for, for either direction. The one thing I know for sure though, is if you do let a guy like Thad Young walk, he, he's just going to be so, so difficult to replace him. And even, I mean, you talk about the guys, the veterans that you wouldn't be able to bring back in the scenario where you chase significant cap spaces, Daniel Tice, another guy who had that forward center spot was super impactful. And obviously, you know, you could roll your eyes and say, well, all these guys, they were contributors on the team, right. But the team wasn't very good. Um, but you still do need those guys outside of, you know, your star level talent. You still need those really solid veteran, you know, depth contributors um, to be the team that you want to be. So uh, I'll just be curious to see how they walk that balance because it's, it's not going to be an easy one um, by any means. And uh, again, can't stress enough. They really, really, really need to nail it uh, this off season for the, for the future of the franchise. Everybody listening right now, you're listening to NBC Sports Chicago Bulls writer, Rob Schaefer. Uh, you mentioned Daniel Fias, man. I love Daniel Fias and what he brought to the Bulls, not just because of, you know, his, his you know, ability, even though he's not consistent with it, and a, a, an ability to stretch the floor and shoot three when necessary, but his toughness. Like, they lacked that toughness in the, in the paint and pretty much that, you know, that really dog mentality to help, you know, bolster that rebounding uh, problem that they did have. Throughout the, uh, throughout the season, especially since they had a trade with Daniel Gafford, who was good for that, to the Wizards. Um, and I, I just wonder where you're going to get someone like that, in the, especially in the market, because the Bulls are not a tough team, per se. They, they mm-hmm. can't be when they want to, but, you know, that's not, their, that's not in their DNA. So how do you get that? To, and and Arturis Karnisovic even said, like, they, look, they want that versatility. They want that toughness on the Bulls roster. So is there a potential option where if they don't bring Daniel Fias back, they let Thad Young go. The players that were tough and fulfilled those roles, like, can you get that through the draft? Um, can you, um, especially if you'd like maybe a second round, you know, you got a second round pick and I believe they still have their first round pick for this upcoming draft. Uh, well, they only, have their, they only have their first round pick this year if it jumps into the top four. At the right. Round. Okay. obviously it would be much easier to, to fill that gap. If, if you do have that um, top four pick uh, there, uh, I think, t- I believe tied for eighth in the lottery odds right now, which gives them about a 20% chance of keeping their pick this year, um, which, you know, isn't nothing, but it's also an 80% chance of, of not keeping it. Um, so that, so that's tough. I mean, this in the second round, I mean, AK came in with a reputation as drafting well deep into the draft, obviously, He's, he's widely credited with um, the Nikola Jokic fine when he was in Denver. That's a second round pick. Monty Morris is a guy that Denver drafted in the second round. That's been a contributor for them while AK was there. So, you know, he has a reputation of being able to, to find guys in that range, but in terms of finding a, a contributor next year and someone that's going to bring that, you know, veteran physicality, toughness, I, I think that'd be a big stretch uh, in the draft, unless of course, you know, they jump into the top four, which we'll see um, on the free agent market. I'm not sure. I mean, that's where you would have to work the margins of like the vet minimum guys and just try to fill, you know, when you, when you do have your key pieces installed, um, try to fill the gaps that you, uh, that, that you can identify as still needing um, to be addressed. So, I mean, I guess that's how I uh, would do it. Um, Tice though. I mean, it's no secret what they did 
at the deadline. Like they, they clearly saw a team that was not, you know, whether it be mature, uh, mature enough, physical enough, tough enough. They took a team that they assessed to be lacking in that department. And they addressed it by bringing in a guy like Tice, obviously bringing in a guy like Vucevic. It completely changed the way they played. They played a lot more out of the post. Um, they, they, you know, play a lot more kind of smash mouth, you know, mash mismatches type of basketball down the stretch of the season. It had its moments of working and it's had its moments of, um, not working so well. And obviously, you know, availability, you know, guys getting injured, Zach getting COVID, you know, it, it all affects it. Um, but to me, you look at a guy like Tice, you look at a guy like Thad, I see them both as being, you know, good veteran presences and, and tough physical presence presences. I'm not sure you can have both of them on the team, just the way that the roster is balanced. I see too much need um, for a point guard. And I see too much need for kind of a viable two-way wing option. Like maybe a guy like a, like a Garrett Temple or a guy that can play the two or the three, um, but maybe, you know, has a little bit more upside or maybe has a little bit more, um, you know, consistency in terms of shooting around the offensive end. Um, so I, I, just, I think they got to balance this roster right now. They, they just are a little bit too front court heavy um, for, for, I think, to get where they want to go. So to me, the cap thing is going to be interesting because you're, you might have to part with all of these guys. Um, if they don't decide to chase the, the most amount of cap space that they possibly could, maybe you only have to part with one or two. But when you look at the trio of Thad, Lowry and Tice, I really don't see a scenario where, you know, more than one, maybe two of those guys is back next season. As much as their presence was, you know, at times felt on this team, um, you know, you just have to balance the roster better next season. So um, I'll be interested to see what they do with Tice. Cause I know AK likes, I mean, he said, you know, he said at his end of season presser that he really liked what he brought to the team. He's looking forward to talking with him um, in free agency coming up, but I just don't know if it's prudent to bring all of those front court pieces back again. I think you got to address uh, the perimeter a little bit more on this team to, to take another step forward. Well, perimeter wise, we, we do know what we currently do have, which is we got Zach Levine, you have Kobe White and you have Patrick Williams. Now, um, in the presser that you that you mentioned, you know Zach Levine did send an invitation to Kobe White and Patrick Williams to come tr- work out with him out west. Mm-hmm. Um, and Patrick Williams is playing in this year's summer league, which was just announced for August. Um, and I believe Patrick Williams said in his presser as well that he will be participating in those things. Um, do you really believe that Patrick Williams and Kobe White training with Zach Levine, especially considering how Zach Levine, especially since he's been to Chicago and been healthy, has emerged so quickly into being the go-to guy for this uh, for this team, and not to being that for the team, but an overall all-star throughout the league, where his numbers have improved drastically and efficiently each season, pretty much since he's been in Chicago. Do you believe that type of development? with Kobe White and Patrick Williams can really accelerate that process by working out with Zach Levine um, this off this coming off season in preparation for next year. Yeah. I love to hear that Zach had already extended that invitation to those two guys, because, you know, we talked about how Kobe White might not necessarily fit the traditional point guard mold. I still think he's a good young player that showed a lot, a lot of growth in the last 18 games of this season. And that can be a viable, you know, piece moving forward. Patrick, obviously they're relying on, on Patrick Williams massively over the course of this offseason to develop and, um, you know, without two of your next four first round picks, you know, develop into a guy that can um, be a third star, a third option alongside Zach Levine and Nicole Vucevic. They're obviously banking hard on that. So um, I love it not only from the perspective of them going and getting to work with a guy like Zach, who has since he tours ACL at age 21, unfortunately gotten better uh, basically every season that he's been in the league and ascended to a completely different level this year. 
Um, so, I, you know, how could you not love your second year player and your, and your rookie, um, you know, who have both shown promise in their own ways going to work with a guy like that. Um, I think that's great. And I, I love what it says about Zach Levine, who is really um, not only, you know, has he improved on the court over the last few seasons and, you know, the ways that he has are very easily identifiable this year, um, you know, had one of the most prolific shooting seasons efficiency wise, you know, in, in NBA history, um, hitting over hitting 42% of his threes on eight attempts a game is crazy. Uh, pull up from anywhere. I shot 48% on catch and shoots. One of the more um, uh, surefire finishing guards in the NBA. Um, he took the most uh, field goal attempts at the rim um, for a guard uh, in, in the NBA this season and was shooting 65, 66% on those shots. So, you know, he, he's just totally taken all of his physical tools and, and maximized them in a scoring capacity and got better as a defender and, and playmaker too and passer. So those things are great, but an, a key, key part of Zach's development this year to me was him talking about wanting to be more of a leader in the locker room, wanting to be more of a vocal presence with the young guys, because as crazy as it seems, he, he is a vet at this point at 26 years old, will turn 27 in the middle of next season. So I love what it says about Zach. I love what it says about the way that he views the young guys, the essential young guys on the team and Kobe and Pat, especially as guys that he can't take under his wing and show the ropes a little bit because you know, as much as people can poke holes in Zach's resume in terms of has he won in the league yet, obviously he still has yet to accomplish that. He certainly knows uh, how to develop every aspect of his game and get better year over year. And that's what the Bulls need from Kobe White and Patrick Williams. So um, uh, I'll be I'll be looking closely to see if any any images or videos from that leak on a social media or something like that. That'll be fun to see. And uh, it's just good. I mean, there, there's another indicator, like I said earlier, as much as the results are, you know, a failure for the season relative to the expectations that were set up to the trade deadline. I just think that's another marker of, of the culture of the team improving too. you know, Billy Donovan talks about it all the time that, you know, no matter what on court things go on, he was really pleased with the character and the, and the connectedness of the guys in the locker room. Um, obviously the front office has really intentionally tried to instill that kind of the, uh, the, the familial kind of player first environment. Again, it's not perfect. You know, you had player development successes and failures this year. You obviously didn't win as many games as you wanted to. But uh, to me, that's just another marker of, of the culture getting a little bit better. Zach Levine growing personally and as a player. And hopefully what it signals for Bulls fans is Kobe White and Patrick Williams growing uh, as people and uh, and players too. Yeah, I hope, I hope that is the case because we at this, at this point, the Bulls, it's been a long time since the Bulls actually had an all-star on their team for a, for a nice duration, when you talk about Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler as of late, um, and seeing what they're doing with their careers now, uh, Zach Levine has the potential of really being that long-term option for the Bulls, especially the foundational piece of the Bulls. And his contract is due for an extension. Um, he's eligible for a max extension this offseason, or, or he could wait it out, play another year, and then next year you know, he hits the offseason market uh, in free agency. There's been recent talks about maybe he'll take a pay cut, you know, he'll at least consider it maybe. And he also in the press room came out and said, you know, I want what I deserve. And at this point, I think he pretty much deserved, pretty much made it known like around the league, he's worth that max contract. And I'm pretty sure I won't be surprised if he is seeking that max contract. Do you think the Bulls are going to take that leap and pretty much sign him now to a max extension? Or try to come, or or try to convince him to you know what take a little bit less considering the salary cap situation being so tight this off this off season still sign a max con uh, not necessarily a max but a good enough deal where he still gets at least 
close to what he's worth, but not the full potential of what that deal could be worth. Yeah. So the complicated thing about Zach and, and the extension is the bull, it is possible for the bulls to sign him to his max contract this off season, but to do it. And this was first uh, written about publicly by, uh, by Bleacher Report, uh, uh, Eric Pincus over there, who's great at just a total salary cap whiz. He does great work. Um, the way that the bulls can extend Zach and it wouldn't even be an extension. It would actually be a renegotiation. So they would substitute the final year of his contract at 19 and a half million dollars, as you said earlier, with his 30% max, just 30% of the salary cap, it's 33, $34 million in that neighborhood. But the only way they can do that is by generating about $14 million in cap space and then using that cap space to substitute um, Zach's contract uh, out for, for, you know, what the max would be, obviously. So that calculation and the re- and the reason is to extend him to extend his current contract. The CBA only allows uh, for a guy of Zach's you know years of service, um, and he hasn't met any All NBA requirements or anything like that to this point in his career. So the most that the Bulls could actually extend his current contract without you know renegotiating the whole thing would be for 120 percent of his previous salary, which only you know levels out to around 23 million dollars. So you know that's a, a possibility from the bulls perspective. If I'm Zach Levine, I'm scoffing at that because I, you know, just, just, you know, look at the market for, you know, a top seven score in the league at age 26 who's doing it as efficiently as he is. It's more than $23 million. Um, even though that contract would go up by 8% every season, that's just below his market value, just plain and simple. So I, I don't see any scenario where the bulls extend him for that at that number this off season. The question is, are they going to, as we were talking about earlier, how difficult it would be for them to carve out cap space. Will they do that and then use that cap space, not to add to the team right now, but to invest in Zach Levine and kind of commit to building around him moving forward. I don't know. It's an option on the table. Um, We'll see. They they could also choose to prioritize making moves around Zach to make the team better around him. And in turn, make it a more desirable uh, destination for him long-term. The thing about Zach is, he has not indicated in any way publicly uh, or, you know, to my knowledge privately that he doesn't want to be in Chicago. Like he's, he said at every turn, I love being here. I want to win here. Um, Nikola Vucevic said that's one of the things that stood out to him most uh, about Zach is that he, he wants to win in Chicago. Um, he, he, Zach said at his, at his presser that he's looking forward to working with Billy Donovan for years to come notable. I mean, Billy, I mean, think of how many coaches Zach has had in his NBA career. Billy seems like the safest bet to be around over the course of a few seasons, which I think could do a lot uh, for Zach personally and, and obviously professionally in his development. So the, the conundrum is you're not going to sign him to that. The, to, the only extension that they're eligible to sign him for is for that $23 million just because of the CBA. You're not going to sign him for that this offseason because it's below his market value. Unless they clear out the cap space and do the max option that way, the only way to give him his max is to let his current contract expire next offseason let him go to unrestricted free agency and then sign him back for his max. Again, there's no indication that Zach doesn't want to be in Chicago or that would test the waters. You know, a lot can happen in a season, obviously. And I would, I just personally, if I'm, you know, the Bulls front office and I just made this win now move at the deadline to build around Zach, I would feel a little queasy about letting my, you know, star player, my best player go to unrestricted free agency, even if you're confident right now that he wants to, uh, to be around long-term. Um, it's a very interesting conundrum uh, for the Bulls and, um, I don't know. I, I took Zach's comments uh, at at, uh, at his end of season presser to mean that he is looking for the maximum of what he deserves and what he feels he's worth. And I, I think he's earned that at this point because that $19.5 million salary number that he's making right now is just, it's not, uh, it, 
it is not nearly commensurate with his production um, or the efficiency on which he's doing it. So, and, you know, for that matter, now this is a previous front office regime, so these feelings don't carry over, but necessarily, you know, on a personal level, but Zach did, if you remember when he signed this original contract, he didn't sign it with the Bulls. Like he signed an offer sheet with the Sacramento Kings. And then the Bulls, after deliberating about it, had to go in and match it. And now it's become one of the more, um, you know, below market value contracts in the league. So this is all stuff that I'm sure Zach is aware of and that factors into his decision-making on what he ultimately wants financially. Um, So it's really kind of, to me, the ball is kind of in the Bulls court if they want to do um, the generate the cap space and then use that to max them out now, or if they want to say, Hey, Zach, look, um, we would rather work on, we would rather focus our full attention on improving the team right now. And then we'll come back and, and readdress you next off season. Um, I think that's a totally viable option too. And I don't think that would be like offensive in any way. Um, but it's just, you know, a decision that they're going to have to make. And um, again, like it, it adds to the stakes of this off season because you've added the guy in Vucevic and you've used so much draft capital to do it that now, you know, if you, if you aren't, if you're not fully committing to Zach Levine, it's kind of like, what are you doing? Cause that's, that, that is what you signaled um, when you made that move originally. So I, I'll be interested to see what they do. Um, I'll be interested to see how Zach, you know, plays next season. It wouldn't surprise me if he took his game to another level or was close to the level that he was at this year. Um, and then, you know, whether that extension or that renegotiation, I should say, happens this offseason or whether it goes to unrestricted emergency next offseason, the Bulls try to address it then. Um, it's going to be, you know, the single, almost the single biggest storyline as it pertains to the next couple seasons of this franchise because of all the resources they've invested to build around him uh, recently. Another potential headline that has floated around uh, is the idea of a reunion between Bradley Bill and Billy Donovan. Um, Bradley Bill's going to be pretty much a, I, I believe, an unrestricted free agent after this, uh, uh, after next season. And, you know, the idea of Billy Donovan and the, the Bulls franchise, even though they want Zach, they pretty much made it known that they want to keep Zach. You don't know what's going to happen with that situation, like you just mentioned, especially since, you know, Zach Levine is going to want a max contract and how that compares to the bull salary cap. So the idea of maybe bringing back Bradley Beal or maybe bringing Bradley Beal to Chicago to, to re- reunite with his former college coach or even pair him with a Zach Levine, uh, bearing how this Vucevic uh, trade pairs pans out and how he does with, the, with um, his tenure in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, That's, is that something that we should actually pay attention to? I um, it, it, I mean, it's certainly something to think about, I suppose, because you know, executive, you know, from everyone from our tourists to, to to players on the team have talked about the winning mentality that the Bulls are operating with, and the kind of you know, let's prioritize winning at every turn. Again, even if the results haven't yielded that yet, you know, that's where your focus is. Everyone has talked about that, making the team, the organization more desirable um, to potential free agents moving forward. And that being part of the impetus behind it, that's certainly noble. Um, To me, before I'm like jumping, jumping the horse on all that stuff, I just, I I would want to see that, you know, desirability actually translate to wins next season, because that's how you attract a guy like that. Um, uh, You know, again, a lot can happen in the season as it relates to uh, anybody's free agency, Zach Levine, Bradley Beal, whoever. Um, you know, I do know that everything that was reported around Bradley Beal um, when he was, you know, p- potentially going to be on the trade market this season was that he was fully committed to the Wizards and, you know, similar to Zach, like kind of wanted to win there, um, wanted to stick it out. 
obviously things looked gnarly for them at the beginning of the season, but then they completely turned it around. Him and Russ look like a pretty uh, dynamic pairing. Um, you know, the first playing game against Boston didn't go particularly well, but Brad is, is struggling with an injury, it seems like. And, you know, um, they shot three at 21 from three. There's variance there, yada, yada, yada. Um, I'm just not sure that, you know, Bradley Beal is itching to get out of Washington right now. I'm obviously not, you know, embedded in that situation. So I'm, I'm talking from a purely an outsider's perspective, but that's been my sense um, of the situation. So, you know, I, I, I totally, I endorse it as something to track just because of the Billy Donovan connection and how exciting it is to think about like those two guys pairing up or even with Vucevic or, or uh, anything like that. And, and Bradley Beal is obviously just phenomenal. Could have been the scoring champ this year, uh, missed it out by a couple decimal points. So um, to me, I just, I, maybe I'm just too focused on like what is ahead this off season, but to me, they've got a, they've still got work to do in terms of making themselves that desirable or even in, in a position to like swing a trade or anything like that. They still have work to do in that respect before I think we can set our eyes um, there all the way. Yeah. It's, it's a lot, like you said, it's going to be an interesting off season. So we got to see what the bullets are going to do to help, this franchise turn things, continue to turn things in the right direction moving forward. Um, that being said, Rob, um, what do you got coming up? You know, obviously, you're, you're, I know you're not going to be on a complete hiatus um, you oh, know, with the offseason everything taking place. There's no Bulls basketball right now. So what do you plan to do with your time in your so-called offseason um, before the Bulls, you know, start to make noise with the potential drafts of stuff and free agency in this offseason? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So like I said, the work's just getting started for the Bulls and I, I feel the same way about, about us. Um, we'll be, I mean, we'll be breaking everything down possible. I mean, we, you know, we've got a lot of time to, to kill here, obviously, but you know, the playoffs still have to get underway and then you'll have the draft free agency. Obviously if the Bulls keep their pick, um, we'll have, you know, we'll be blowing out draft coverage because uh, not only will they be making um, a pick in the first round, which isn't guaranteed right now, they'll be making a top four pick. Um, and in this draft specifically, I mean, that could really be franchise changing, uh, could leave you in a much better position. So certainly that, I mean, free agency wise, what isn't there to break down at this point. So, um, you know, the themes that we've hit on in this podcast, the, the Zach extension possibility, the possibility of clearing out cap space and who should the bulls chase the possibility of, if the bulls don't clear out cap space, who could they acquire on the trade market that way? Um, you know, over the next coming weeks, I've got, you know, I'm looking at my whiteboard right now. We've got all kinds of possibilities um in, in terms of that so we'll be addressing all that what what does the point guard market look like because again that's been identified uh, you know not only by just people watching but it, it seems like the bulls um because it's been reported for so long that's been um an interest point um you know so we'll, we'll be breaking down everything um in, in that respect um we'll be bringing that stuff related to to the team obviously there's a lot of storylines internally uh, patrick williams's development you know how's that coming along kobe white is his um, you know, last 18 game stretch of the season. Is that, is that real? Is that sustainable? Is that more meaningful than his hot stretch to the end of last season? Spoiler alert. I, I kind of think so. Um, but you know, where does he fit into the long-term plans? Um, Lowry Markinen's free agency is going to be something to track. Even if I'd be surprised if, if Lowry's back next season, you can never say never though, if, if they want to match and, and retain the asset or um, something along those lines. But I mean, there's really endless storylines to track this off season. We're going to be diving into uh, myself and, and Casey, John, my colleague Casey Johnson over at NBCSportsChicago.com, we'll be diving into all that stuff. Um, so uh, it's it's a lot. You can tell them scatterbrained because there's so many possibilities uh, in, in front of us. But um, yeah, if I could just you know plug out Twitter, I'm on I'm on Twitter at Rob underscore Shafe. I'm uh, tweeting, putting out stuff. Um, you know, pretty much on a daily basis. So 
that's that's what the offseason is going to uh, is going to look like for us. I'm sure that's what it'll look like for Bulls fans too, because um, it is such a a crucial crucial juncture for this team. They they got to say at last season that this this season was an evaluation year. Now it's time to to really you know kick it into high gear because they've made themselves they they've transformed this into a situation where um, if they can't right the ship soon um, things could uh, things could get a little bit uglier. But uh, for now, the the direction of the franchise again, if we put it in the perspective of better than it was last year, um, and we'll we'll see what the front office does uh, from here. Um, it should be an interesting offseason. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. Uh, and I hope all the Bulls fans will continue to follow your work at NBC Sports Chicago. Um, y'all doing a lot of great stuff, especially with the Bulls Talk podcast, man. I, you know, my shout out to my guy, Tony Gill, who helps run, run the ship over there with that. Uh, you guys are doing, you know, a lot, a lot of great work with, you know, Jason Goff and Casey Johnson and those guys. I, I, obviously, I tune in to it, listen to it. Uh, to get insight from all of you. So, you know, continue to do good work with those things. Bulls fans, continue to follow Rob Schaefer, like you mentioned, on Twitter, which I, I pull up right now. It is Rob underscore Schaefer. And, you know, follow his follow his work. He, he'd be writing some, you know, some good, interesting, uh, in-depth analysis for you Bulls fans to see what options as far as what your favorite team can do for you in the, in this, in the Windy City. And continue to follow his work like, like I previously said to get the previous said to get the best of the best analysis out there and follow me on Twitter and Instagram as well at Josh M Hicks media for all your latest work on we are and follow war media on YouTube all, all Google uh, podcast platforms war anchor Instagram and Twitter war media you name it we're all over the place we got a lot of great stuff coming for you even though the Bulls are not in the playoffs you still got some great stuff coming your way Rob, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Um, and I hope you, you know, continue to enjoy your off season now that it's, it's real fresh right now. <laughs> so uh, again, love to have you come back anytime. And um, I look forward to seeing what you got to put out of what the Bulls are going to do moving forward. All right. Thank, thank you, man. Thanks for having me, Josh. Uh, you know, it's always an honor. It's always fun to, uh, to come on and chop it up. So I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. You, have, you seem to have a good rest of your off season. Oh, 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 oh,